Hey loves, thanks for joining me for another episode of Bitch Prince. This is Mallory Porter, your host, in case you don't know that for some reason. I realized in my last podcast, I completely spaced because I record all of these before the actual day they go out, of course, and I didn't wish everyone a happy Passover. I'm really fortunate that I grew up with two religions. My mom's side is Jewish and my father's side is Catholic. So I actually grew up with Judaism and Christianity. I am very fortunate in that way because I really got a chance to witness all of it. I don't know if many of you know this, but Jesus, your boy, was Jewish. So it's really cool to see how the religions tie together. And even though I lean more towards Judaism now because of the tradition aspect of it, my family history, um, both are still, you know, very important and we still celebrate all of the holidays, all of the high holidays for Judaism and all of the holidays in Christianity, even if, you know, I don't go to temple or church too much. <laughs> so um, it's more of a tradition thing for me than a super religious aspect. But I just wanted to say to all of my fellow Jewish people, hope you had a great Passover. When this gets released, we're kind of on the second half of Passover and it's starting to end where people can actually start eating flour and real bread again. So <laughs> yay, almost time to stop eating that matzo meal. Woo! But it was really good Passover for us. My mom even got my grandmother, who's pushing 80 now, almost there, got her a Facebook because my mom has one of those little Facebook portals. And so she thought it'd be easier to set my grandma up in a similar way. And that's what my mom knew how to do. So she got the computer already and set it outside my grandma's apartment. And my grandma was able to hop on the phone with my mom and figure it out. So it was pretty cool. It was special to be able to still see everyone's Seder table and to read the Haggadah together and go through the Seder as a family still all together. My brother and I no longer live in the area where our core family lives. Our core family's all in good old Indiana. And I'm in Arizona and my brother's in Savannah. But of course, it was a, a huge difference this year for my family in Indiana because they are always together at my mom's place. My mom is kind of the matriarch of the family. Um, in my smaller Jewish family, we have some extended family where for sure my great aunt is 100% the ultra matriarch. But I digress. Hope everyone had a great Seder. After my Seder with my family, the virtual Seder, we actually, for the first time, my husband and I drank all four cups of wine during the Seder. We usually just take sips, but we thought, hey, it's quarantine, fuck it. So we had all four cups, and then we joined actually one of my friend's Seders as well. So we got really double the dosage this year and thought it was really beautiful that this friend brought other people together that were some not Jewish even. And that's really what these kinds of traditions and holidays are all about is welcoming new people to your table. So... That was a super cool experience. I was maybe a little tipsy during that, so I was maybe dancing through some of the songs, but it's fine. <laughs> Gotta have fun with it. And of course, this past Sunday was Easter. It was great seeing everyone, how they kind of celebrated and everyone still kind of took their dress-up clothes, pictures for Easter. So that was really special. My mom even sent us a Easter basket, quote-unquote. It was two chocolate bunnies that she filled with that Easter basket plastic grass stuff. So that was pretty fun to get. So 
just hope everyone has had as good of spring holidays as they could and that everyone was able to still virtually connect with their family in quarantine. So happy Passover, happy Easter, and now we're kind of back to quarantine. So I don't know about you guys, but I think at this point, the hardest thing for me, it's, I feel like it's probably setting in a lot for people now more and more. My husband and I have been in quarantine for a little bit longer than everyone else since we already worked from home, as I've mentioned. But now we're reaching the point where everyone's been in quarantine for at least three weeks now. We're coming up on a month. And it's kind of harder. If you haven't already had some issues or new things with your mental health that you've been trying to tackle with this quarantine, I think more and more it's starting to show up with anyone that hadn't already felt that struggle. My husband and I are ambiverts, so even though we can be extroverted, we can also be homebodies and love staying home. So it wasn't too difficult for us. We miss people, but at the same time, we already worked from home. That wasn't a change for us. And at first, we kind of made it, you know, fun. We're like, ooh, I had a friend say that at first it kind of seemed like a vacation. And that's kind of true. In a way, it was like, all right, let's make the best of it. And I made like pigs in a blanket and we were doing some more streaming on Twitch and like being silly and maybe drinking a little more. And now that it's been three weeks to a month, you know, it's it's hitting a little bit in a different way. Quarantine's hitting different. <laughs> I don't know if anyone else is feeling that, but now when the, when the boredom sets in, uh, certain things start seeming a little harder. So for me personally, that is work-related. So for all of my awesome career women listening in, I don't know if you're feeling this, but at least for me right now, work has definitely not slowed down, which is great because I would hate to also be bored during the workday. Work is very busy for me. But at the same time, I've noticed a lot more anxiety and I am not used to having anxiety. I, I lean more on the depression side. So I'm not great at handling it because it it's foreign to me. But I've definitely been having a little more anxiety with this whole quarantine. Not that more bad things are going to happen, just anxiety because my I miss people. I'm just kind of sad and just grieving. Everyone's kind of in that grief process right now where we're just missing our loved ones are missing out on trips and things like that. So everyone's kind of dealing with that grief. So just want to shout out to everyone that it is okay to be sad. It's okay to cry about this. It's okay to feel sad. Even if you're not on the full depression scale, which I, you know, I hope not. It's it's okay to still feel that grief because that is what we're all feeling right now. It is hard to not be able to leave your home and see people you want to hang out with. We're grieving our old way of life that will hopefully eventually, you know, be back. But the other thing that I'm really having trouble with with work is that even though we are busy, as life is getting a little bit more boring behind the quarantine walls here, it's starting to make work seem more stressful in a way, um, that it almost takes more of a push of my mental health to go to work, quote, or, you know, enter my home office each day and turn that computer on and really be fully present. I think for me, it's it's because when you work, you do kind of have this mentality of working towards the weekend or towards the vacation or towards something. And at this point, it kind of feels like we're working for nothing. 
for me at least, it feels like, okay, well, I'm not really working for the weekend because the weekend can be kind of sad. And even though I do get a lot more sleep, which I freaking love and need my sleep, hope everybody is taking naps and getting sleep. We're in quarantine. Don't feel guilty. Take naps. But as I do get more sleep on the weekends, that's great. Maybe Zach and I will drink a little more. But there's nothing to do on the weekends, and it's not as exciting anymore. It no longer feels like a vacation. And so it really feels for me like I'm working hard for nothing at the moment. Of course, I had a couple trips planned where my friends were going to visit, and then my family was going to visit, and now no one's obviously visiting, so I'm not working towards trips. I had to, you know, cancel all my PTO. And that's really where kind of my struggle is. So I don't know if any of my other working women are kind of feeling that way, but I just want to express that, that you're not alone. And if it feels like right now you're kind of working for nothing and that's causing you more stress and more anxiety, just know that we are still working to be stable on the other end of this bright side we have a ton of PTO saved up now so the second half of the year we can go on a ton of vacations Um, but really I'm trying to focus on you know you're still not working for nothing you are still working to live in the home and have that security that you have over your head you're working for the home you live in which is providing that security in this quarantine for you and you're working so you can maybe afford fun food that if you can get it delivered, uh, you're working for that wine subscription (laughs) um, to get you through it. Maybe you're working for some kind of subscription like Headspace, you know, things like that that help you get through this with meditation. So just kind of trying to think of it that way. But if you feel like at this point you're working for nothing, you're you're not alone. And at at least we're all going to hopefully we're working. We got to be thankful we've got these jobs and that we're going to be stable at the other end of this because there's plenty of people who are already losing a stability that we as working women have right now. So trying to be positive. Also, I've seen a lot online from, you know, especially probably a little bit more single people, which I totally get. It must be pretty difficult right now to be quarantined without another human while people with us with partners or living with roommates are trying to find that balance of wanting to have a best friend to hang out with, but also making sure you have your alone time. It's still, you know, maybe a little bit better to have to work through finding that balance than it is to just be completely isolated. So I totally feel for all of you listening right now that are in that kind of isolation aspect. And I've seen a lot online about people really kind of being frustrated of, oh, is this quarantine being blown out of proportion? Is it really, do we really need to go this far? And, you know, we do. And I I just want everyone to try and in this time, we're already dealing with so much mental health that don't start adding more anger to your pot because it is what it is right now. And if you add more anger to your pot, and start getting angry at the CDC or, you know, Dr. Fauci or however he says that. I think it's Fauci, Fauci, whatever. They are doing their best and it would be detrimental if they weren't taking these precautions. You know, we need to be thankful that we are living in a government that is thinking of our health first. You know, that's really what's happening here. Because obviously the government doesn't want the economy to tank. That's not their goal. So they're doing this for a reason. 
And it is really important to to stick with it, you know, not to induce fear, but to be cautious. Obviously, everyone has to work through it in their own way and decide what is right for your own household. It is nobody's job but your own to tell you how to handle this quarantine within your household, within your mental health scale, because all that matters is that you feel comfortable in your own space as long as you're not out harming others, obviously. So, you know, if you're dealing with anything right now where you have friends or family who are kind of on the negative end and kind of saying, oh, this isn't that big of a deal, but it is to you, you know, don't try to argue with them. Don't try to create anger. If anything, just, you know, show concern and and try to be empathetic and say, hey, if you don't want to, if you think this is, quote, silly, which they shouldn't think it's silly, but, you know, there's no vaccine right now. That's part of the reason why it's so dangerous. If there was a vaccine, it would be a different story. It would be more like the flu. But there is no vaccine, so we need to be quarantined because there's no way to officially stop it. So if you have family members that are on the angry side, you know, it's not your job to help them get away from the anger, but definitely just try to make sure that you don't have a toxic relationship because at this point we need to be staying in contact with people as much as possible. So I don't want anyone to be losing contact with friends and family at this time when we're already isolated enough. So if anything, instead of trying to change anyone's mind or fuel anger, just say, you know, that's your opinion, but I need you to just respect that this is how I'm getting through it. And, you know, we're there's no point in anyone freaking out or hoarding or, you know, but it's good to have three weeks to a month of food and stocked up and things like that. So try to, you know, explain and take this moment to increase communication and say, hey, we may have differing opinions, but let's set the anger aside. That's not helping anybody get through this it's making it worse so especially when we're all still trying to work and then manage our mental health and we're just stuck inside try to work through things with you know whether it's co-workers and the working from home or with your family or friends that have differing opinions just try to say hey that's that's cool that that's how you're working through it but this is what is working for my mental health and for my household so please just respect that. We can all respect that this is a safety concern and it is no one's opinion or place to say how you should handle it in your own home. This is safety and you get to decide what makes you feel safe as long as you're not harming others. So just take that for what it is. But it is important that we just try not to feel the anger. And I know a lot of people might feel like, oh, this is hard. I'm single. I just want to be able to go out. Is this really necessary? And I, I totally get that frustration. But it is. And don't be angry at your government for trying to keep you safe. Trust me, like I said, they wouldn't be tanking the economy for this reason if they didn't have to. It, it's it's a unique situation and we're all still learning. People that work for the government are still just people. They're still just trying to do their job right at the end of the day. They're not gods. They're not superheroes. They're people in a job, in a position. So just reach out to your friends and family if you are starting to get to a point where you're thinking, I can't handle this, or you're thinking, is this really necessary? It really is. And just try to reach out to make sure that everyone's okay and do what you can to try to have a cocktail hour with your friends or something to make yourself feel a little bit a little bit better and that you still have a life and you're not just working for nothing. 
one thing I've kind of noticed, and I know I'm going on a bit of a tangent, but I've really noticed, you know, I, that we kind of have to put it in perspective. I know it's not a great time to say, well, just think of how it used to be or be positive. You know, it is important to focus on positive just so you don't go freaking crazy. Totally also get that it could be frustrating for some people when they hear things like, oh, but this is good and this is better and you should think of this. And, you know, right now they're just trying to be happy or get through a dark hole. And I get that. But I have been trying to think of this as a Victorian simulation. So just try, try, try to put into perspective if you're feeling that boredom and you're feeling, why is this really necessary? I am going out of my mind with ennui, ennui, whatever. (laughs) Think of this as a Victorian simulation. We have only had, we have technology still. I mean, you have to understand that, yes, we're stuck in our house, but we're not asking you to be drafted. We're not asked, you know, the government isn't asking for people to literally die and go to war and risk their lives. They're saying, stay in your own cozy home so you don't die. It is much less, I mean, mental health is so important. I'm not degrading or downplaying that, but it is still less of a sacrifice than our country has asked of us before. And that needs to be put in perspective. It is for public safety and they're asking you to stay inside. And if We were supposed to be quarantined at any time. This is the best damn time in human history to be quarantined. We've got FaceTime. We've got Netflix. We've got social media. We've got food delivery. We've got alcohol delivery. There's so much more where we can not only get our essentials easily, easier than like any time in history, but that we can entertain ourselves. And we need to put that in perspective. So I've been trying to think of it as, oh, I'm in a Victorian simulation because, you know, let's think of 120 years ago. We're in Victorian times. Life in the Victorian times was you only have a horse-drawn carriage and a really long-ass ride in that horse-drawn carriage to get anywhere, to get to town, to get to people. People from the Victorian times and back spent so much time alone in their homes. Read more about the Victorian era. It was like entertaining at night to just sit in a room and have the whole family read together and have someone read out loud. I mean, it's crazy. And I'm not saying sit in a room and have someone read out loud, but I am saying think about how boredom has been part of our culture in history in the past. The Victorians really did focus on this ennui kind of scenario a lot in a lot of writing and poetry and things like that. Read some uh, Edward Gorey. He's not from the Victorian time. He's from like 60s, 70s, 80s was when he was popular, but he inspired Tim Burton and he does a lot of, he did a lot of sketch work and poetry and writing that really did kind of center around the Victorian time and talks about those kinds of things. So I definitely suggest looking up some Edward Gorey if you're bored. He's literally my favorite artist ever. But in the Victorian times, I kind of came to realize that not only do we need to be thankful that the majority of humankind has lived where it was, you were surrounded by a small group of people and you mostly were stuck inside in your own house. And maybe you were in a small town where you were close to people and could walk down the street, but towns were incredibly small. We are so fortunate and even people that are older, even our baby boomers have forgotten 
you know, they didn't grow up with plastic diapers and easy plastic things. They grew up with cloth diapers. These are these are things that aren't even new to generations going through this. And yet everyone forgets and kind of feels like, oh no, because everything is ending at once and everything is changing at once and everything is less available at once. But if we really take a step back and realize what products were available 50 years ago, did we even have, I don't even think we had the microwave back then. We had paper or cloth, everything. We didn't have as much plastic things and everything was more sustainable. So maybe take this time to figure out how you can be more sustainable and rely less on all of the plastic goods that you can normally get readily. And also, again, think of the Victorian times. At least when we're stuck inside, we've got the damn internet. (laughs) So this isn't a new feeling. This is a unique situation being quarantined, but this isn't a new thing for humanity. Honestly, the life we have been leading for the past 50 years was the true anomaly. So try to take this time, learn more about the Victorian eras, and just think of this as a Victorian simulation, but at least we've got cars and entertainment (laughs) and, you know, if you still feel like you're kind of working for nothing... I, I get that it's work can feel more emotionally exhausting because you feel like you're working for nothing, but just try your best to to keep pushing forward. So with that, I know that was kind of a 20-minute tangent a little bit, but this all kind of leads into the topic of today of, of achieving perfection. I know right now in your work, it may be more emotionally exhausting to try to be achieving perspect- perfection, to try to get your work done, let alone get your creative work done on the side if you are someone that works full-time in one area and then your true passion is kind of your side, quote, hustle or side projects. I know it must be, it is at least for me, extremely hard to get through the emotionally exhausting work day that feels like I'm working for nothing and then also try and get through my creative projects that I want to do for myself. My, this might sound kind of fucked up, but one thing I have thought of, I, you know, I'm writing a book right now and one thing I thought of to try to push myself towards writing more is, you know, it would be, it will be cool to see all the sociology reports and studies and the creative media that comes out of this quarantine. This is a significant moment in history and we do think of things like, ooh, that cool work was written during the Civil War or that was drawn during World War II, that painting was made during the Holocaust. And even though it might seem a little fucked up and tacky to say this now, any work you create, this is being done during the quarantine. And it really could have a significant place in history and be interesting because of that. So maybe help that, maybe that can help push you with your creative projects. But in the end, achieving perfection is not only impossible, but it's total fucking bullshit. And I do not want any of you putting this perfection hat on and adding to your anxiety. We've got enough damn anxiety right now. (laughs) Been talking to a lot of my creative friends because we're all kind of in this creative struggle. And when it comes to perfection, part of us, when we are in our creative workspace, either want it to be perfect or want it to be done. And I experienced both. I'm sure most of you working ladies, creative or not, experience that as well. 
whether it's in the workplace or whether it's with your creative projects, writing, art, directing, things like that. There's this balance between finding perfection, which is impossible to reach, and then also just wanting to get the damn thing done. And in reality, we need to find the balance of taking the time to make it good. Not even, I don't want to say not great. Let's make it great. (laughs) I know there's a huge struggle for anyone that they're worried that things aren't good enough to put it out there that your work isn't good enough to to show to the public and there's always that fear for anyone, whether it's sending the latest project to your boss or, you know, sending a book out to see if it can get published. Putting yourself out there is hard when you've worked so hard on it. But right now in quarantine, I felt, so I'm sure a lot of you other creatives have felt, that it has gotten a little bit harder as well to get yourself into that headspace to do that creative work. Part of that is because of being in quarantine and your mental health, but part of it is because we just aren't ready to put ourselves in that mode to want to pressure ourselves to achieve perfection because we know we want perfection. And even though it doesn't exist, we know we want to create something that is perfect and we are just not in a place mentally to get heads down in our work and try to reach that space and get as close to that perfection as we can. It's extra hard to get ourselves in that mind space. When I was in college for magazine journalism, obviously a lot of it had to do with writing and so many deadlines. My professors would always tell me to not try to achieve perfection, but also not hit that send button and say, all right, I'm done with this project. Here it is. I'm done. I wasn't that great (laughs) at that when it came to school assignments. I definitely just wanted to get it the hell done and I read through it and it was good and okay, cool, I'm going to send that over to my professor to grade now. But I think it's a little bit different when it comes to work. You know, that's a little bit more okay for school. It's an assignment. You get your schoolwork done. But that's not okay for our life's work. We can't in this time just want to just get shit done and be like, okay, it's done. It's checked off my list. Because then what is the point of doing it? We don't do our work at our job and we don't do our creative projects especially to just get it done. Passions don't exist because we just want to get shit done and be over and finished with it. That doesn't make any sense. So I get that, you know, maybe at work there's smaller things that feel good to check off your to-do list and say, cool, I got that done. But with big projects, it's really not beneficial to you or your work or your reputation or your career to hurry things through. So my first suggestion is while you're working, even if you feel emotionally exhausted at your day job or in your creative processes, stop and revisit it the next day. There is no rush. We are in quarantine and you should have a boss that would understand that. I would hope that if something doesn't seem perfect, that is okay, but maybe Stop and pause and don't hit that send button so quick. Don't say, I'm finished. Revisit it. It is a very hard thing to do. I'm much better at it now than I was when I was in school six, seven or so years ago. But that's kind of one of my biggest things is we have the time. So if you are stuck in a place, get as much done as you can and then stop and revisit it later. Don't say, okay, I wrote that chapter. I'm done with it. Or, okay, I've written out this PowerPoint presentation. I'm done with it. No, make sure your work is still 
good and lives up to your expectations and revisit it the next day. If you're striving for perfection and finding that balance between perfection and just wanting to finish it right now, my other huge suggestion is to reach out to others. I'm fortunate that I have a handful of creative friends and we're really good at bouncing ideas off of each other, especially my one friend, Alicia, who I dedicated, I think it was episode four to, um, who came up with that idea. And it is really important to create those relationships. They're not easy to come by. Alicia and I have known each other since we were 14 and our relationship just magically developed that way and I'm super fortunate. But having a creative friend and relationship during this time is really important. It's important all the time to have at least one person that you equally bounce ideas off of each other. You definitely don't want some kind of toxic relationship where you steal ideas or one person asks for help more than the other or someone should be getting paid and they're not. (laughs) It needs to be, you know, a, a healthy friendship where that is part of your relationship that you help each other out with small creative projects and give each other opinions. I know it might be hard when you're striving for perfection to want to hear others' opinions, but it is so important that you are not rigid with other people's edits and that you make big changes to your creative projects for a better story. It's really hard when something is your baby or when you want something to get done. If you just want to finish it, you don't want to check it with other people because you don't want to hear their edits because you don't want to do more work. Let's be honest. (laughs) I say when you're on that side of the spectrum, still get other people's opinions because even if you want to be done with a damn thing, you do need to make sure it's up to your standards and that you are putting your best work forward. So if you are feeling stuck and if you are feeling like I just want to be finished with this, then send it off to other people in your workplace or that are your creative relationships outside of work to get their opinions. And then you'll get a fresh take and then it can maybe be better the next time around and you can kind of take a break from it instead of just hitting that I'm finished button and not providing your best product. And if it is your baby, it, it is really hard to say, to put your perfection into something and spend all those hours and then give it to someone to edit. And then they come to you with changes and you feel like, oh, they don't get it or, well, that's not really what the story I'm trying to tell. But you have to understand that you are trying to tell your story through your artwork, through your screenplay, through your book. But if the people don't get it, then doesn't really matter because yes it needs to be true to your story but if you aren't conveying that properly then no one's going to really get your real story so it's hard to receive those edits but don't be rigid even if it's a huge 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 personal passion project you might still need to make big changes to make the story better and to get your ideas that are in your head properly translated so that other people can feel that empathetic sense from your work and and get what you're saying even if they haven't been through it themselves. In the workplace, you know, it can be frustrating as well to get other people's opinions because you're trying to say, oh, well, I want to make sure that I do it right and I made it perfect and I, 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 I. If you're working in your workplace still, if you're remote, I say, or, you know, in the workplace all the time, to be quite frank, you need other people's opinions. And I know that's difficult because if you've worked so hard on something, you don't want 
someone in another department to shut you down and you do want the credit for it. And I get that. I, un- I totally understand wanting to get credit for something, especially if you're trying to get a pay raise or a promotion, but it does you a much better service to connect with your other workplace and show that you're a good teammate, show that you want other people's opinions and you value your company as a whole and you're not just an III person. So it may be really stepping out of your comfort zone to ask other people in your department, on your team or in other departments to check out your work, but now is the time. People might have slower work and now is a really good time to make those connections and you don't have to see them in the office the next day because you're remote. So do it. I mean, ask them for their help and then maybe you won't feel as embarrassed or nervous or anxious because you won't see them face to face the next day. It speaks volumes when you reach out and try to get others' opinions than if you just are like, no, I made it perfect. It, it, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good thing. It's not necessarily a good thing. It may be really scary to ask for other people's opinions especially in your creative passion projects, but it's smart and it's way smarter to get other people's opinions around you, get the quote people's opinion before you send it off to big reviewers. You know, I mean, if you're going to send it to a publisher or you want to send a screenplay to someone, or if you're ready to send your art off to try to get it in the gallery, don't you want other people's opinions first before you get the big opinion? I mean, that's just my opinion. You've got to get comfortable in your work with asking for people's other opinions, both from kind of a professional and political networking standpoint and also just from a presenting your best work standpoint. It's definitely a tortoise in the hare situation. Slow and steady wins the race. I know it's hard when we see famous people or people higher up that are, you know, make a ton of money and make all the decisions, that it feels like they're moving so fast and you feel like you have to move that fast. But slow and steady wins the the race. And the fact is, the people that are moving fast, that are higher ups or are famous, they have a million people checking their work. They're not doing this alone. They're not I, 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 I. They have so many professionals around them that are helping them make a PowerPoint, that are checking their work that are doing their PR, that are making decisions as their agent. Famous people are surrounded and CEOs are surrounded by tens of people that are checking their work and helping them do the smaller things. So slow and steady wins the race. They're not doing it all. And so you don't have to do it all alone either. Ask for other people's opinions and take your time on all of your work. Review and edit, review and edit, and then review and edit again. With my book, I have definitely had that problem where I want it to be great, but I wanted to kind of get it done. It's it's a huge task to take on, I mean, any creative project, but with the book, you're like, holy shit, I have so much to write. <laughs> and so I just wanted to get some chapters done. So I got three done. I went to my friend. And I had her look at the first three and I was like, yeah, these are done and I'll just make a few edits and they'll be good. And I was just so obsessed with like being done with some of them. And that was the completely wrong mindset as well. And she came back to me and said, you know, 
there needs to be more of you in this. I need more story. You're giving me the high level. And that was hard because in the first few chapters, I do talk about some of my personal life as a quick background um, and a little bit of my father-daughter relationship and how that's impacted my life. And it was really important for me in this creative process to not put too much of my dad into it because yes, he affected my life, but it's my story, it's my life. And I don't live my life around him. And I'm sure a lot of us as artists and creatives have that same feeling of wanting to express really intense emotions and intense moments and growth periods and traumas in our life, but also not wanting to seem like a victim or seeming like, oh, this really stunted me or put too much emphasis on the person that hurt us. And I was struggling with that. But when I sent those three chapters off with one of them talking a little bit about that relationship, it made me realize that, okay, she's asking for more. I need to put more in. I need more of myself in my own story and I need to explore this more. I've written this great high level chapter and now I need to dive deeper. I can't just say I'm done because I want to be done or because I'm fearful of exploring certain avenues uh, in my own self. I need to take time and work on it. So I took out those three chapters and I am working on all of them again and expanding on them and adding more to that story. Sometimes it's you're going to feel really attached to your work and so you're going to want to resist these kinds of changes. So I definitely feel like it's good to send it off to your to an editor or a friend or something like that. Send your creative work or your projects off to some kind of person who can review it for you in the early stages. So for me, it was when I wrote those three chapters. And that's going to be positive for two reasons. One, because then I did still kind of feel like, sweet, I got three done. Because even though I was not done writing them, I got them to a point where I, they were at least worthy enough for someone else to look at and, and review and make changes or suggest changes. So if you're in that mode where you're like, I just want to finish it, it's fine. Do something, finish it, send it off for a review, and expect to change it later. It's also good to send it off early because then you aren't too deep into it. So you have more of the high level done, but you aren't so incredibly immersed in it that when someone gives you changes that you get offended. Because it is very easy when something is a personal art piece to get offended when people don't feel what you want them to feel or have a negative opinion of something or want more or want less or want different than what you've presented. It's it's very hard. It's necessary of a process to go through, but it's difficult. So try to send it off maybe in the early stages so that it's easy for you to make those changes both from a work standpoint and from an emotional attachment standpoint. You really need to mull things over in your head again and again to get what's in your head down right. So sending it off and taking a break is a huge positive, whether in the workplace or in your creative process, because you get to put it down, do other work, and then you get to kind of separate yourself. Because I don't know about you, when I do go back and read things I've read, I sometimes am like, holy shit, I wrote that? <laughs> when you're in it, you feel something. And then when you read it again, even a couple days later, you might get a totally different feeling too. And you might say, oh man, I missed this whole other point I wanted to get across. So it is so important to send it off for review early on, step back from work, and revisit it again and again and again. 
it's it's tough when you want to finish it, but it's the best way to not only appeal to that false perfection need and making sure that you actually produce something that you're proud of. Another thing you can do that a lot of artists do and a lot of like poets or even people that write, you know, chapter novels a lot do is hanging stuff up. Now you might not want things in your face this much, but if you're working on a novel and you have a printer at home, print out some pages, hang them on your wall. If you're an artist, hang up your work that you want to take a break from so that it's still there, it's present, it's not hidden, but you can work on something else. And then when something sparks, you can take that down off the wall and work on it again. And then it just kind of surrounds yourself with good feeling because it's all your work and it feels more like a studio. So I definitely suggest hanging up your artwork or your pages to better move things around and and figure out what new elements might work, what chapters fit best next to each other, and what belongs in what artwork and maybe what belongs in a different piece, things like that. So definitely hang stuff up and make it kind of an immersive situation for you and make it easy for you to take stuff down and work on it and put it aside without it getting lost. Hang it up so it doesn't get lost. What I do is I'm a huge Google Doc person. So for me, I first started off in my writing process. I made an outline of all the chapters I wanted. Of course, that can always change. You have to be flexible. But I made a core outline of all of the chapters. And then I made two core documents of where the entire story is going to exist. So the entire manuscript, one for me, one for editors, so that the editors are editing a different document than my core one, so nothing gets screwed up or lost. Um, Because it would stink if I made a change and then forgot that change and didn't have the original copy. Always have original copies. So I've got two of the manuscripts. And then I broke out all of my chapters into individual docs, Google Docs so that I can work on each chapter at a time. And it's right there. It's easy to access. I don't have to scroll all the way down through my manuscript. It clears my head and lets me focus on one chapter at a time. I have one in front of me. And I don't feel, I I feel just more free to let my mind roam. At least for me, working on one whole document that's full of 10 to 20 chapters feels very overwhelming and boxed in and kind of gives me an icky feeling. Piecing it out is what really helps me. So that's just how I'm currently writing my book is chapter by chapter and then sending it out to friends every time I kind of finish a chap- two or three chapters to get their feedback and then continue to work on it. So sending it again to review both will get you closer to perfection, quote, and will also help you not be like, oh, I'm finished, I'm done. It really solves both things. So That's just my writing process. I, you know, I definitely wanted to be done with my one through three chapters once I had written them, but I realized, no, they're not done. You need to review this. You need to spend more time with this. What is the point of you writing this book if you're not going to spend the utmost amount of time with it and really give it all of the effort that it deserves? So make sure that you're doing that. But when it comes to perfection, be easy on yourself. It doesn't exist and it's striving for perfection is definitely not going to make it easier for you to finally go heads down into your work, whether it's your nine to five job or your creative work. With perfection as a goal, you are not 
going to immerse yourself fully in a positive way. And it is it is going to make it 10 times harder on your shoulders and on your brain to go heads down and start that process. So if you want to actually start that project, if you want to start that project, then you need to first not be striving for perfection. Not the first time around, at least. Do not strive for perfection on the first go around. And if you're a person that knows you're going to strive for perfection later on, check with other people's opinions and get other people's views. So that's kind of my little take on perfection right now and working your day job and working as an artist. I want to give my shout out. Let's lighten the load. My shout out for this week is to a local business in my old hometown of Carmel, Indiana. It's called Tina's Traditional Tea Room and Tavern. Yeah, Tina's Traditional Tea Room and Tavern. And I'm giving a shout out because it is a woman-run business, obviously, Tina. She's from the UK and lives with her husband in Carmel, Indiana now. And she owns a tea room that they, you know, at night kind of doubles as a tavern. When we lived in Indiana... My husband and I, well, I went there a ton. I love tea parties. A lot of people think tea parties are for kids. Wrongo. Go to the UK. Tea parties, high tea, it's all about etiquette and things like that. And if you want to really enter into this Victorian simulation, hey, a tea party is a great way to do it. If you think about Victorian times, they have all these formalities. And we kind of always thought that formalities like dressing for dinner and going to the drawing room or the study for a cigar and whiskey or coffee after dinner was kind of boring, ethical, or sorry, boring, um, formal practices, which personally, I don't think they're boring. I freaking love it so much. Like, I am kind of an etiquette nerd. (laughs) I love etiquette. Um, And we've taken... I've taken etiquette courses um, or meals at Tina's Tea Room. So I've definitely gone to Tina's and they do like a three or four course meal and teach you European etiquette, which is so entertaining for me. That's something a little bit nerdy that I enjoy that not everyone else does. But in the Victorian times, half the reason for some of their etiquette was for structure because they were bored. They didn't have anything besides... Uh, books and maybe a piano and maybe things to sketch and going outdoors and planting stuff. I mean, there was so much less, obviously, without technology. And there were less people around you. So they had these kinds of formal dinners and etiquette to dress up to get them through the day-to-day. And that's really another thing you need to be thinking about when you're in your Victorian simulation is if you get dressed and you actually say, hey, let's make sure to eat together. And you maybe have a little coffee FaceTime with your friends or with your workmates, teammates. That is so positive for your mental health. And it's an adjustment, but it's not new to humanity and you can do it. So in your Victorian simulation, just realize that is part of the reason why they had all of these formalities, why they got up and had two maids dress the lady of the house for the day and make sure she looked pretty, even though she literally wasn't leaving the house that day. <laughs> that was life. People got dressed even if they weren't leaving the house and they got real dressed. They put on that corset and makeup. I'm not putting on makeup at all and my hair is full of grease right now. So think about and channel that Victorian era, and try to take those formalities not as this rigid, 
time period, but take it as they were creating structure. They were giving life purpose and meaning and they were trying to give their life this day-to-day structure and the formalities were really just to bring people together and make sure everyone joined in for dinner because if you didn't bring people together, you weren't calling people on the phone. If you weren't having these kinds of formal situations like tea time, people were not getting together and speaking. So it was extra important. So take that in mind. The structure and the formalities of the Victorian era can be positive for you as well. But again, I'm giving my shout out to Tina's. They are doing online orders and I've ordered some jam and some scum mix and I think one more thing that I cannot remember, but definitely take a look at them. Order if you want to try a little tea time yourself. I definitely suggest it. It's there. I mean, the products are delicious. They are expert bakers over there and they've really created a lot of great mixes for everyone to be able to use. So look up Tina's Traditional Tea Room on Facebook. I also want to give her the shout out, not only as a woman entrepreneur, but because on Facebook, she, Tina, has been doing these daily elevenses. And so elevenses is a thing in the UK where you have tea time, maybe have a little snack, a little biscuit. Um, But elevenses is like that mid-morning break that they take in the UK. So she has been doing live video streams every day at 11 o'clock Eastern. So that's been honestly very soothing for me as a person who loves tea and who loves that etiquette and structure of tea time and tea parties to join, if not every day, sometimes I have to watch a couple in one day, but to make that part of my routine to drink a cup of tea with her and listen to her soothing voice and learn more about tea time etiquette. So I think that is a really awesome thing that she is doing for her community. Not only is she continuing her business in this time, but she's helping the community with tea time and reaching out and still providing comfort and learning in this crazy time. So shout out Tina's Traditional Tea Room and Tavern. Check it out on Facebook. Join the tea time and order some stuff to have a little tea party. I'll definitely be having a tea party this week when I receive my stuff in the mail. So um, cheers to everyone. (laughs) And I just hope you have a good rest of your week and make sure that while you're striving for perfection and while you're working and working on your creative projects and your day-to-day and sending things out for a review, Just remember that it's all in the day's work and it's all in the name of leaving your mark. So continue to leave your mark, ladies. Talk to you next week.